he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 45 of Bolotified, your one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every week with my one and only Bolotophile, Alex Apostolides. Apostolides. I like that. That needs to be it every week. It sounded ominous and almost scary. Ooh, scary. Need to be scarier to people. No, don't be skitty. There's already too many skitty people in the world. I know, but you know, it gets boring being nice all the time. I know. And you know what? If you were kind of skitty, you would definitely get people's attention. For sure. Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, you know, when somebody never yells and then finally they yell, mm-hmm. everybody stops. Yeah. It yep. would have that effect for sure. Yeah. It, do- it does happen when I do that. Um, Ileana will attest to that. She doesn't hear me yell very often. And when she does, it stops and it stops her in her tracks. Because I think I've maybe had to really raise my voice maybe a dozen times in 16 years to her. But when I do, it's not See, fun. That's, that's the beauty of being calm and not not um, raising your voice too often like we Italians have a tendency to do. Uh, because you have an impact and effect when you do, you know, you've, you've reserved that space for what's really important. You've picked your battles. <laughs> so you're still in a very strong fighting position. This is really good. This is, this is great stuff. You should be teaching this. I should be teaching it. This is true. This is true. Yeah, and she heard me on the phone with somebody one time and I lost it. I was every which way, not nice. And she just sat there like this. You know, you can't see me folks out there, but my eyes are real wide because she was like, she didn't know what to do. Okay. So the next time that happens, she needs to record it (laughs) so that we can all hear it. (laughs) Because that would be so much fun. It would be fun. And you know, this is really, it's, it's a bit off topic for what we'll be discussing later with our guests, yes. but it is not off topic for me in this moment because I've just come off of these five days of starting the master's program at SDSU in meeting and event management. And the last five days have been about leadership, which is really about taking inventory of your own triggers and ensuring that those don't flare up when you're in a position of leadership because all it does is pull people apart and diverse uh, uh, divide, uh, act as a, as a, a divisionary uh, uh, thing. It just pulls people apart. It causes unhappiness. And so we spent a good five days learning about who we are and how now that now the process is, what are the things that we need to do to remove the triggers from our from our senses, you know, so that when we are in a situation that would normally trigger us, we've developed new ways to respond rather than fall back into some of the old patterns that we have. And they're different for everyone. 
right? Mm. So like, for example, for me, I, I feel it's September and I can already mm. feel my level of anxiety increasing a little bit, which means my patience is going down and I'm starting to get hyperventilate inside my body. I'm, stuck, I'm thinking, okay, you know, there's a deadline approaching and there's so much more that needs to be done. And with each and every day that just feels worse and worse and worse. So this is a great period for me. These are like practice periods now. This is how we have to think about these periods because now that I'm in this position, I have to work hard to maintain my sense of calm and my sense of self. And so um, I'm going to ask you and D'Angelo to help me to do that because part of this process of growing and learning is um, for you guys to be able to say to me, hey, you know, that probably wasn't the best way to do that or blah, blah, blah. And I need to say, okay, you're right. So I need some of, uh, I need some of that uh, uh, input into this, into this growth that uh, I hope to accomplish. I don't think that I'm, um, I don't think after having spent five days with 60 other people who are going through this program, and um, let me just start by saying that I am not a team. I love to be in a team and work within teams, but I'm not, a, I'm not the kind of guy that likes to team build. Like I'm not one of those that likes to go scavenger hunt or you know, be on an exercise with people I don't know, but I had an incredible experience with the people this week because we had to do that several times. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I feel such kindred spirits with them. Um, all, all of the people that I got to really engage with. And they're all, they're very diverse. I'm, I would definitely say that I'm one of the older people in the program, uh, but we're from all over the place and we have a variety of backgrounds. And I think what really struck me on the final day was hearing how people have never done any self-reflection. And I, I understand that from, I understand it a little bit better from the younger people because, you know, <laughs> not really at a point where you do much self-reflection, but there were a couple of older people that had admitted that they had never done any self-reflection. And that floored me because, well, first of all, growing up and take, and, and, and studying acting, that's, Mm -hmm. A lot yeah. of what you're, you, you do, you have to know who you are and where you're coming from in order to assume any other kind of roles or, you know, or characters. Uh, so you have to be very self uh, respective and you've got to be introspective and, you know, work things out. So I was surprised when some of the older people um, had admitted they'd never done that. Even if I wasn't, I'd never studied acting, I think that I would still be somebody who reflects a lot on not, you know, the things that happen in a day's time, the way that I've responded, the things that I've said that I'm not so proud of, the things that I've, I've done that I am, you know, proud of, the steps that I've take to, have taken, um, all of those things are so important. And I'm glad to see that they're teaching this process to future leaders in our industry because it is needed. Uh, mm -hmm. It is a very stressful industry, one of the top five. 
And so finding your center, finding your core, knowing what your triggers are, the things that pull you off balance are really key to being the best that we can be in our job because we are, again, in a job that's just faced with lots and lots and lots of stress and pressure. And it comes from a variety of places, not just one necessarily. And it exponentially gets worse as the event gets closer. So there are some great um, opportunities to learn. And again, I'm just glad they're teaching this curriculum. It was, it's never been taught in, in any program that I've ever taken. And it's so essential to business, so much more essential to this business because all we do is work with people and you know, we need to be able to keep our centers and not blow up, not lose our calm, not say things that, you know, will embarrass us. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little envious that you got to do this. And I mean that in the best possible way, because uh, I say this because I've noticed in the last week or two, my little thermometer has been raising a bit. And I have had a couple of reactions, which aren't over the top, not mean, not anything like that, but I see it in myself. And then I go, why did I react that way? Why did I react that way? And I try to ask myself that, but to be in a five-day intensive setting like that, where you have the opportunity to really delve into and learn about your triggers, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. because ultimately you're going to relieve yourself of so much stress when you know, Oh wait, that's not real. That was a trigger. Well, I will tell you something. I believe we can get this information. We were all uh, forced to take two uh, personality tests. One was a 360, and you and D'Angelo and Sam and a bunch of other people provided input on that. And then we took something called a print assessment and the print assessment is uh you you i answered i don't remember how many questions and then they rate all the answers and based on your answers you're given two numbers uh your your um primary number and your secondary number i'm a one six and based on being a one six i got a list of positive things that i am and a list of shadow behaviors that I can easily be drawn to if if circumstances aren't correct. And I would say that my list and everybody else felt the same about theirs, my lists were about 95% accurate. All the things that matter to me and all all the ways that I add value and then all of the triggers that if I'm in the wrong space could ruin things. And uh, it's this is an available, by the way, an available test. And if you look it up and you're interested, I will pay yes. for you to take this test. I don't remember how much it was, but it is it is accessible. It's called print P-R-I-N-T. Uh, and it's the it's just a print uh, survey, I think, is how you can find it. But it is very helpful. And it does it does help to look at those adjectives, those behaviors, and say, oh, yeah, I, I, I do become impatient. I do become condescending. I do these things. You know, these are the, these are the, some of them didn't really, I'm not rigid. You know, I don't really see myself as being that way, but there were, but most of it did really apply. And how, then, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I just want to ask you this. How, 
easy or difficult was it to answer truthfully and not, because I think we all do this, and I'm not saying this towards you, I mean the universal you, uh, and I very much include myself in that, well, maybe this is more right, but this is going to look better. Did you find yourself doing that? Or were you able to just really take a deep breath and just be completely honest with yourself and answer? I don't remember that there, the, the questions were value-based or made me okay. feel that one answer was better than the other. Got it. I don't That's remember cool. that feeling. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, this is how I would respond. But I did. I, and part of the reason why I probably don't remember is I just plowed through and I didn't spend a lot of time focused on the questions because that was part of the process, right? Don't just, just don't spend too much time. Just answer the questions. And they actually did tell us, don't answer as your best self, answer as yourself. Don't answer as your aspirational self, That's good. answer as yourself. So, so we did. And um, it was fun to meet. I'm a one six. There are nine categories. We're all across the board. Um, it was so much fun to meet my ones because we're, of course, the perfectionists and the ones that want to get things done the, the quickest, best way, you know, we're, the, we're those A types. And we had to do the uh, team building in the park on Friday, I think it was, we had to go to Bell Park and we were all set in our teams. And at one point I thought, wouldn't it be funny if we got these uh, lifts and started um, scootering our way through the park, just the A team, because we're so type one, type A, you know, we have to get it done fast. We came in second. <laughs> and now we're asking each other, how did we come in second? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And it was great to, great to get to uh, know myself a bit better and awesome. uh, work on some some uh emotional intelligence as i move into my 60s now who do we have with us today talking about emotional intelligence right right we have are we ready are we ready is he here we're ready to bring him on because we are i i just um He's an awesome guy, and I know we all adore him, and he's got such a lovely personality. So um, our, our guest today, he's been in the hospitality industry for 38 years, and for 19 years, he was the director of catering, specializing in weddings, social events, and hotel engagement for holiday experiences at the Fairmont Chicago, one of my favorite cities in the world. And in 2014, he began his seven-year run as the Director of Membership Services and Special Events for the Hotel Del Coronado, where he transformed the Dell's membership calendar from 10 annual events to an astounding 54 memorable experiences, accelerating revenue generation, excuse me, and doubling membership totals. He's also produced events for many Fortune 500 companies. He is the founder of Kaleidoscope View Consulting. So please, let's welcome Wayne Hearth. Hello, Wayne. Hello. Well, hello there. How are you? Sorry about that. I was having a little technical difficulty. Not you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never. Never, never. It can't happen anymore. 
So you're on a new, you're on a new road. You're on a kaleidoscope view road and you started this this year, right? Correct. Yeah. As everyone else was, I was sent on furlough when uh, Corona started and it was only supposed to be until July. And so I kept in contact with my general manager. And as time went on, we got to July and it was next month. And then we got to September and it was next month. And then we got to November and it was next month. And there was really no sign of going back anytime soon. So I got an interesting opportunity from a good friend who used to work with me at the Hotel Dell. And she changed companies as well. And um, with my expertise in membership, uh, KSL had just purchased um, Camelback Lodge Resort in um, Tannersville, Pennsylvania. So they wanted to start a membership. And she said, would you be interested in doing this project? So of course I had nothing else to do and uh, needed some income. So I took the project on and started working on it in January. Well, January, February came and after doing some, you know, checking around and talking to different hoteliers and stuff, I found out that there is a business to do what I do. I was supposed to go back to the Hotel Dell on March 27th, and I resigned my position two weeks before it um, and decided at that time it was time to start my own company. Mm. What brought you to that? What, what was the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a few things, right? It's not just like, oh, I'm just going to start my company today. But what, what really led you there? I realized that the hotels coming back online from, from what was going on in the world, they weren't bringing a lot of people back quickly enough. Um, and so they were looking for outside contractors to come in and do programming, membership experiences. Um, and they didn't want to hire someone to do it within the organization because they can save money, right? We don't have to pay taxes, payroll, employee benefits. There's not a salary there. It's a one and done. I'm going to pay this company. This is exactly what I want you to do. Here's how much money you're going to make. Go. So that was really the driving force when I kind of caught on to that after talking to a lot of people that that was going to be my new destiny. Um, and lo and behold, Kaleidoscope View was born. Mm. The timing seems absolutely perfect to me as someone who started a business at a time when the economy was starting to come back. It, it wasn't that I was so smart to pick it. It just happened that I was in a place in my life and the world was doing what it was doing. And I came in at the right time. I feel the same thing is happening for you exactly for the reason you just expressed. They don't want to pay the salaries. They're not even bringing their teams back in full yet. Correct. And so, um, you know, after talking with, um, you know, presidents of, of hotel collection and general managers, and it just seemed like it was a great thing for me to do. And I had so much support, Anthony, 
um, through all these years in the hotel business. I've been in the hotel business for 37 years. It's my true job and career. And so I've had the honor and opportunity to work with some really incredible people through those years. And when I called them up to run this even by them, and I knew they were people that were going to tell me like, Wayne, you are absolutely insane for thinking about doing this, or this is a good thing for you to do. And these are people that I respect very much. And no one came back and said, you know, you're crazy. Don't do this. Everybody's response was so positive and so supportive that I knew, you know what, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, but I felt with the support of these people, I wouldn't fail either. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, I was very lucky and people tell me all the time, like you just started your business less than nine months ago and you know, you're doing really well and I'm very lucky. And my, I attribute that yes to my talent, but it's to the people that are surrounding me as well. So I have to ask you this, when you were getting these answers of, yes, you do it. Yes, do it. You've got this. Was there any little bit of like hesitation? Like maybe that's not what you wanted to hear because it was going to be so difficult or were you 100% excited all in? No, I was not 100% excited. I was so scared. Um, you for have you. to remember, for you. I was scared. I still am scared. You know, when you're used to getting a paycheck every two weeks and insurance and benefits and free room nights to go travel the world, um, it's a lot to give up, right? And so in the hotel world, if you, you know, don't reach a goal or something like that, and it's a financial goal, you know, you'll get slapped a little bit, but it will be forgiven unless you do it a lot. When it's your own business and you don't reach that financial goal, it's devastating because it's the difference of, you know, putting food on the table versus changing your lifestyle a little bit. So that scares me and it still scares me now. And, you know, my business that I have is not long-term contracts. So a lot of them are really kind of, you know, hit it, go and it's done. So I always have to be looking for that next thing to replace it. And that's scary because what if, what if one day there's nothing to replace it, right? Right, right. Uh, I used to tell people that I um, didn't want to go into acting because there was just mm -hmm. no um, security in it. So I started a business instead, which was exactly <laughs> the same thing. So I totally in, in, in the hospitality industry of all things. So it, I don't, I, I wish I can say it becomes less scary, but, um, but it doesn't. And every year around July, January 1st, my stomach is in knots because I have a full calendar to oftentimes a full calendar to fill you know, sometimes when we're lucky and we're blessed and, you know, we've hit it right, we come into a year with, you know, enough business, but right where we are now, it's not the case, you know, people are still on the fence. So, but you know what, um, what I've learned in the last five days, I was sharing earlier, I, I'm in the master's program at SDSU for meeting and event management. And what I've learned in the last uh, five days is that uh, you just have to, you just have to go for it and not let your fear get in the way. And you're never going to be fearless. 
fear will always show up. But those who seem fearless are those who push past it and just do it anyway, which is exactly what you did. And there's yeah. going to be some some benefits to reap in that, especially because it's you, Wayne, and you're not only talented, but you're incredibly charming and easy to get along with. And I'm sure people love to work with you. And in our world, that's part of it for sure. Well, absolutely. And you both know people by people, right? <laughs> and that's one thing that has been a little difficult with this, with still conducting business a lot through Zoom, is you can tell someone's personality, kind of, but it's not the same thing as being in a room and really being to interact with them so they can see your sincerity or your creativity. Um, so that's one thing that's been a little bit difficult because I do much better. And I, I've been in sales for years and years with that one-on-one -on -one contact and developing that relationship. And so it, it's always true. I've always said it people by people. I mean, you can be in the most beautiful hotel in the world and it can have everything that a, that a guest needs, right? But if they meet with somebody and they don't get that connection with them, it kind of kills the deal a little bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's there's no question. And as someone who has been on site inspections with clients and have been to multiple properties in a three or four day time span, I cannot agree with you more. We, we walked out of beautiful properties because the feeling wasn't right. And we knew we're not going to get the level of service that we need. Right. It's I was actually just having this conversation when somebody with somebody a couple of days ago, kind of about you, actually not kind of about you in that you are somebody who recognizes talent. You recognize hard work. You value all of those things. And as such, you're loyal. You you're the type of person everybody should want to work with because you see that not everybody sees it. Many people out there see the bottom line and that is all they see. You, you see the value in people and events as well as the financial line. Well, I think if you don't have the whole package, right, it's not going to be a great event and it mm -hmm. takes a village. And so a lot of times, you know, I've put on some amazing events and people will say, oh my God, you know, this is so amazing. You're, you know, you're so talented. And I said, to be honest with you, it's the people around me that make me look good. And it's the people around me that um, have rallied and used their specialties and, and their skills and what they do in the event industry that makes us, makes me look good, makes it all look good. So, uh, you know, it's not just me, it's not one person, but, you know, I believe putting a, a good team together is really important. Do you look at your events as shows? Do you think of them as having a beginning, a middle and an end? Totally. And, yeah. you know, I was in theater, like in high school, I, I did some community theater in my young twenties. Um, so everything to me is like a production. So I want to make sure that, you know, we're hitting all of our guest senses, right? You, you got to see it, you got to smell it, you got to hear it. Um, and so, yeah, I look at it as a theater production. 
And you can't give them everything at once when they first walk in the door. You got to kind of spread it out to keep their interest, right? So it's kind of like going to dinner. You wouldn't order your dinner and they put everything on the table at once, right? They spread it out in courses. And that's how I look at an event. I have never heard that analogy before. And it's perfect. It is. It's absolutely. Absolutely. That is a great analogy. And I honestly, I think it is your theatrical background and your love of theater and film that uh, has given you this perspective. It's the right perspective in my mind as an event producer, you have to give people a ride, you know, and there have, has to be ups and, and, you know, valleys and it just has to feel like, woo, at the end of the night, that was so great. I'm ready for more. Not right. I'm so damn exhausted from that. Right, exactly. Uh, and uh, you can't do that unless you think about it like a show, if you will. Yes. So what is it you're being asked for from your clients? I'm curious to know that now they want to cre- they want to create memberships or increase or grow their memberships. What are the things they're thinking about that they feel are going to help this process? And then what are you telling them? So from a membership perspective, um, it's kind of interesting because there are a lot of hotel memberships out there. Um, and I think with coming back from, from this tragedy that we've been in, hotels are looking at every avenue now to create revenue, additional incremental revenue, right? So a lot of times hotels will ask us to come in and survey the property and see if there is even uh, the ability to put together a membership component. And what that usually consists of, you know, it, it, it's in city center hotels, but it works a little bit better in a resort setting. Um, and it has to be community-based, right? Because it, you need the people that live around the resort to be a member of right. the resort. To support, right. To support it. So a lot of times it's fitness, it's spa, it's beach access, it's pool. And the most important thing about a successful membership is exclusivity. Most of the people that join memberships at hotels, they want that experience that no one else can have. And it becomes a bragging right. So at the Hotel Dell, there's a community on Coronado and they're all members of Club at the Dell. And my job for years and years was to create experience for them. So that way they could bring their friends in. They could feel good about it. They would bring them to events or to dinner in the hotel. And those people looked at the hotel as their backyard in their home. It was their beach home away from home. So pool was very important to them. Um, When I took over the membership, Uh, they would do about 10 events a year. When I left the membership in March of of 2020, we were doing 54 events a year for them. Unbelievable. And that's what helped us grow the membership was the experience component. You know, there's a lot of nice health clubs. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, great pools to sit by, but it was the things that they could do 
outside of those areas. You know, we built a great beach club every summer that was exclusively for them. So they didn't have to go on the sand if they didn't want to, but they could still get that beach club experience. So that when it comes to, to club development, that's really what these hotels are looking for. So when you assess, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Nope, go ahead. When you assess, when you survey, you, I assume you're looking for amenities, right? Do they have the right amenities to attract? Correct. And then, as you just said, which is something I hadn't thought about, then you're looking at the community itself to see, do they have the right community that's going to support? Right, exactly. Um, so this project that I've been working on at Camelback Resort in, um, in the Pocono Mountains uh, the program that we put together, because there really isn't a community around it to support that type of club, but the hotel collection that it's a part of doesn't have a loyalty program associated with their company of the mm-hmm. hotels that they own outright and manage. So what we did is we put together a loyalty program and, and it's a premier membership. And you get all of these different things when you're a member, but the key to it is you have to be in residence of the hotel to receive your benefits. So the point of it was people that maybe come once a year to drive them to come to multiple times per year in order to um, recuperate their initiation fee that they pay Mm -hmm. and have that benefit um, make up that difference for them. And also it gives them exclusivity. Again, we always go back to the exclusivity. You know, they don't wait in line with everyone else. They have their own check-in area. They have their own concierge. Um, so it just makes their visit to the resort easy that, mm-hmm. you know, they're not waiting in this crowded resort. That's a huge selling mm-hmm. factor. Boy, yeah. how nice that would be. Right. And yeah, <laughs> just like I see a line and my heart sinks down into my shoes, you know, and I'm like, okay. Um, so what is, what, can you share a bit about what they're doing in particular or you're helping Camelback do with regard to the membership? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so their membership is a three-year membership uh, that we developed. It's a $4,000 buy-in for the three years. And what they get are these, you know, specific amenities, as I was telling you about, like the check-in, check-out, parking, Um, and really and truly, because the resort has got mountain adventures in the summertime, and then what it's really known for is ski in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, So ski is a pretty steep, steep pocket sport, right? Mm -hmm. And so what they receive is a discount on all of their activities throughout the entire resort. So they receive an additional 15% off. They receive um, exclusive room rates that only members can, can get. And they also receive 15% off on all of their food and beverage uh, throughout the resort. Wow, that's great savings. Mm-hmm. So my point, if you go three times a year, more than likely, you're going to pay off your $4,000. You're going to get that back in the first Easily. year. Yeah. And then the next two years are gravy. They're, they're just strict savings. So it's been received really well. We launched it about a month ago. Um, it's Great. been received really well. 
much better than the hotel anticipated, which is, you know, a great thing for me <laughs> that they're happy yes, with it. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, it, it's going great. It seems genius. That $4,000 buy-in just, it's, it's like a no-brainer, quite honestly. It's not in the double digits. It's, it's affordable for a lot of people. Right. And it gives them a starting point, right? It doesn't always have to be this, but it's a great way to get into the market and get as much uh, traction as they can. Wow. And it's great for them because, you know, it's a drive market for them. So it's New York, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and Pennsylvania itself. That, that's their customer that comes to ski or to summer with them. So it is feasible to use it more than once a year. It's not like you have to get on a plane to go to right. it um, and right. spend, you know, airfare for a family of six. You load everybody in the car and you drive an hour and a half, two hours, and you're you're there for a great long weekend. Yeah, it's sort of like the the big bear equivalent if you're in Southern mm-hmm. California. Yes, that's wow. really impressive. In in with everything going on, that you're so successful with that, that you're you're offering such great value at an affordable price and that people are able and willing to do it. Now, the Poconos is known for their resorts. So is the Camelback doing something that nobody else is doing? Because they're, uh, they're, they're in a different is, position. Yeah, they, they, they position themselves because they have the largest outdoor water park in all of the East. So that's their draw. It's incredible, Anthony. Um, This mountain is a ski mountain, right? And then when summer comes, it becomes a water park. And I was baffled when I first went there in January because people kept telling me about this amazing water park. And I kept saying, but I, I don't understand. How do you build a water park at the base of the mountain? And, you know, where, where do you put it? when the mountain is being used in the winter well it's all buried beneath the snow yeah Wait, what all of the water park features are buried beneath the snow now they use regular snowfall of course but then they make snow as well and um some of it does have to be brought in but the majority of it is there year round and this water park is amazing and in the mountains They've got a mountain coaster, a roller coaster that goes through the mountains. Really? Um, so they're really a, a, a very family heavy resort. And it's because of the water parks. And, and in wintertime, they have an indoor water park inside the actual resort itself. So they water park all year round. And that's <laughs> the difference between them and their competitors in the area. Mm. And are they the only ones with a program? Uh, yeah, there's um, like a timeshare, if you will, uh, that's at another resort, but mm-hmm. that's the closest thing. And those are going by the wayside pretty quickly. If I hear one more commercial about somebody helping you to get out of your timeshare, <laughs> I'm thinking, this must be big business. People want out of these things. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Whereas with a membership, if you decide that you don't want to renew the membership, you're done, right? At the end of the three years, there's no obligation to it. It's over, it's done. And you can choose to re-up it for another three years or to let it go. It's an easy decision. It's pretty simplistic. 
Yeah. So where else are you working? What else are you, you doing other than the Camelback? Sure. Uh, we are doing holidays at the Lowe's Santa Monica. So, y- you know, you both know you've been to the Hotel Dell for holidays. Not, you know, a lot of that's good old Wayne. Uh, yes, we know. Did those we, know. we keep wondering what's going to happen at the Dell without and, you. But uh... it, trust me, Anthony, in life, <laughs> no one is uh indispensable it will go on it will be great but yeah at Lowe's we're we're creating programming for them uh and decor and we're doing the same thing now in Chicago um to create uh winter for them not so much holiday um Mm -hmm. but something that can last longer than that month of December that Mm -hmm. can get them through that nasty wintry January and February So um, when we're working on programming and we're working on the look of this, um, and I can't really talk about it just yet, but it's going to be pretty incredible. um, The concept, you know, I'm working with my good friend, Tom Kehoe, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's going to be spectacular. May I ask, do you think that some of this initiative is, is purely uh, because they think business is coming back? Or do you think that maybe it's because they're concerned that corporate business isn't going to come back fast enough? Um, I, I believe they're, what I'm hearing from the hotels is a lot of the hotels, you know, kind of haven't celebrated holidays in a few years. And so as things are coming back, corporate is very iffy because um, the first question that I always ask when I go on site to talk about these things is tell me how much holiday business you have on the books. And it's a little scary to be honest with you. And I think people with this Delta variant are just going to wait until the very, very last minute to decide whether they are going to celebrate holiday with their teams and their staff. And and so I think that people want to jumpstart holiday, right? They want something new and fresh, again, to drive the neighborhood in. Mm -hmm. It's something that, you know, is very important to the hotels to get their communities involved and create uh, create the sense of family within their community. And so at the Lowe's, they're kind of starting from scratch and they know it's not going to be just this year, right? This is going to take years to build up. Right. But their hope is it becomes this place that when family comes into town during the holiday, we have to go to the lows for mm-hmm. X. Right. And that's my job and my partner's job is to create what's X and what are we going to do that can make it memorable that people want to come back and make it a tradition with their families. Um, so it's the same thing at the Fairmont Chicago. Um, we're kind of starting from scratch with them. We're going to put things in place this year. And then we've uh, devised a plan to build every year um, to grow it and expand it, C- keep creating that interest in the community and make it a place that's a must see for the mm-hmm. holidays. It's terrific. Yeah. It's really terrific. I love that you're, it's a way for families to do something, create memories, create experiences, fill up your photo albums, right? 
and have some continuity and tradition. It's a, it's an awesome thing. Yeah. And you know, one thing I think that's really important that the hotels have really bought into when I put together this programming, I like to make sure that there's a charity component Mm. associated with it. And I like to find out from the hotels, you know, what's important to your brand? Who do you want to be aligned with um, when it comes to charity? And so they've been um, very uh, interesting to listen to how these charities align with their brands. And so in Santa Monica, their, their whole thing is about their backyard. And it's funny because when we looked at charities for Santa Monica, we looked in Santa Monica, not LA, not Beverly Hills, not Century City. They want to keep the community in Santa Monica tight. And that's where they want their money to go, which I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting to feel that as we pull ourselves out of this Delta coronavirus, that we're all going to be more focused on our niches and less on everybody. Uh, You know, the whole idea of really focusing on your audience, doing what it is you do best and using what you have to bring them in rather than trying to be everything to everyone. Do you think that uh, I'm correct in that assessment? I do. I do. The days of like being something for everybody, mm, I I don't think they're going to come back strong like they used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And to your point, Anthony, I think hotels are going to find you know, that sweet spot for them and they're going to concentrate on it and they're going to promote it. And that is going to be their DNA. And and I think it's a, it's a great way to look at Mm -hmm. business now. It is a great way. And so to that point, are they, are they committing to developing the internal teams as well and to looking at their room night business, which is still very important to them in a way that doesn't detract from what you're trying to do? Absolutely. And in Chicago, I mean, one thing is that they want to make sure for everything that we're doing, is there a way to put a room component to it that people will come and spend the weekend or spend a night mm-hmm. um, to drive that weekend business? Um, so, yeah, they're always looking. You know, you, you've been around hotels for a million years, room night for everything. You can put on great events until, you know, the cows come home, but if no one is sleeping in the beds, you're going to fail. Right. Right. That's the purpose of the event, right? Is to get them right. to in those, heads in those beds. beds. Right. <laughs> totally. So, and when you think about engagement and the idea of engaging people, what is, what is your take on that? Um, I think, you know, engagement is experience. I think that really drives engagement. You know, when we're doing a program at a hotel, what's going to drive somebody to literally get in their car and drive to that hotel and make them want to go and experience this thing, either singularly or with their family? Um, And so I think it's, it's experience, right? It's programming. It's letting them touch and feel and be a part of um, that really makes it successful. 
I'm, I'm curious about something too. And Alex, you have questions, just jump in. But you at the Dell, you were responsible for creating the experiences, but you were also employed there. So you could ensure that the experiences came off the way that you expected them to. Now you're a consultant and what kind of uh, uh, guarantees are you getting from the hoteliers that- Sure. Well, one cool thing about our company is we don't just um, you know, create and develop this programming or experience and say, okay, here you go. Good luck with that. <laughs> you know, we both, we both come from a, a long um, background of um, being in the operation, you know, boots on the ground. So one cool thing that we do is we train um, on how to execute the experience or the program. Um, we work hand in hand with their management team and with their, um, you know, their line staff, their team members. Because if they don't get it right, it's a fail. It's right. a total fail. And we can create the most amazing things. But if they're not going to execute it the correct way, the guest is going to have an awful experience. They're not going to come back. The team is going to get completely frustrated if there's not policies and procedures in place. And so, for instance, at Camelback, we wrote all the policies and procedures. We wrote the job descriptions. We went in and trained every department and told them, this is membership. This is what it's about. So if a guest did ask them about it, they could speak intelligently about it. And you know, we always told them, we're not expecting you to sell a membership. We just want you, A, to recognize a member, thank them for being a member, and if they have a specific question, answer it. And if you don't know it, get, it to, get them to somebody that can. Um, and, and it's the same thing that we'll do for holidays in both Santa Monica and Chicago. We don't just leave you high and dry. Another thing that we're very conscious about is, you know, I can sit here and, you know, think of these kooky, crazy, incredible things that would be awesome to do. But if the poor hotel can't execute it and the operation is not going to execute it, I scrap it. And as much fun as it would be to do it, if they can't do it, then it's no good. Right, right. Are you being um, met with any kind of resistance at all? Or is it just open arms welcoming from these teams that you're going in and working? You know what? <clears throat> it's open arms and it's excitement and it's awesome to see um, because they want to be busy again. They want to work. They want to make money. And so my company goes in and gives them that opportunity to try to drive guests in the door so they can make money. And that's, that's where the excitement comes from. They've got families. Some of them haven't worked for a year. You know, they've been on, they've been on, you know, little small jobs or, or they've been on unemployment for a year. And so they're really excited to try anything new. And knock on wood, we haven't gone into one facility and gotten resistance or pushback. I'm glad to hear it too. Yeah. These are smart people. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to ask you on, uh, I was actually going to ask you how you motivate these people. You don't know them. You're coming in new as a consultant. They don't know you. Do you have any tips having done that now as to how to corral people when you're, when you're in a leadership position and you don't know who they are, they don't know who you are? 
Sure. So from a membership perspective, one thing that we really insist on with the hotels and developing membership is incentive programs. And um, money motivates everybody, right? You're and it, from a membership perspective, all we want you to do if you're talking to a guest at a table in the dining room and you, through this conversation, realize they go to Camelback twice a year, they're probably a good candidate for a membership. So all we want you to do is give us the heads up of who they are and how we can contact them. If the guest buys, the team member gets a $50 gift card simply for a referral. So that in that case, it's super easy to motivate yes. um, because you're doing it with money, right? Um, in the sense of like the Fairmont Chicago, you know, I think you have to be in the trenches with them. You can't just manage from above, but this is standard management too, right? Yes. You got to be in the trenches working with them. So when you're kicking off this programming or an experience of some sort, you got to be shoulder to shoulder. You got to show them that you care about it. And most of all, you care about the team member because you want them to be successful. And, and I think that's like, you know, management 101, get, get, your, get your boots dirty. And that's what you do. You go in and when you're actually, when they're executing, you're there in the line with them, working with them, getting dirty, making sure things go right and, and mentoring. Bet. And I, they feel supported. I, exactly. You know, during, during an event, um, especially at the Dell and Anthony, you, we worked with Bellotta so much at the hotel Dell and, you know, during setup, I'm there with the team setting up, making sure that things are being set correctly so they don't have to go back and do it again, right? right. Mm -hmm. Maybe they looked at the diagram wrong. Maybe the table count is off. But to try to like be in front of them to help them not have to go back and do double work. But not only that, but it creates a camaraderie. Yes. I mean, it's 100% camaraderie. And just like it is with a client that, you know, people do business with people that they like. It's the same thing in the operation. If the team members like you, they will work hard for you. If you respect them and they feel respected, they will do anything that you ask of them, the majority. And that's just it. And I think that's where a lot of managers fail. They, mm -hmm. Their team members don't feel like they respect them. You know, they want the respect, but they're, they're not so great at giving it back. Right. So, I've been very fortunate, you know, that I have had great teams to work with um, and, and they work hard for me. And I can attest to that being, I'm sorry, Anthony, I, but I can attest to that being on site with you, helping to, from the operation standpoint, helping to, uh, with an event, how calm it is and efficient it is and pleasurable. It's fun to work an event with you. Thank you. I had fun. Thank you. Yeah, if you create hilaria, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a damn mess when you walk in that ballroom, right. right? But if right. you're calm, even if it's not going the way it's supposed to be, if you're calm, the team will be calm. Mm -hmm. But if you run around like a chicken with your head cut off, you're done. And you're not just um, talking the talk; you're you're walking the walk as well. The fact that you are shoulder to shoulder with them is another form of respect because what you're doing there is you're saying to them, this job is not low level. 
I'm doing this job. You're not low level because you're doing this job because I'm here doing it with you. So there's a there's a, a message that's communicated without even a word being said there when you just jump in and you're part of the team. And right. then and then when you follow it up by being a, a good boss and, and being empathetic and being affiliative and working alongside them, but also um, being a visionary and, and giving them goals and objectives, then then you're the best guy in the world and the easiest guy to work for and a right and a good manager. Yeah. And this is what gives you the ability, Wayne, to work with crews that are not yours. If you hadn't developed this emotional intelligence and and the respect that you have for people who work for you, you couldn't do what you're doing now. You wouldn't be successful. You might get to a certain point, but you would never be able to be the guy that went in to execute or to help execute. You have to turn it over to somebody else because you wouldn't get the buy-in. Right. And, and it's true at Camelback, I've been going once a month since January and believe it or not, but I've created great relationships with these team members that, you know, they'll bring me a, something that they made from home because they know I'm living in the hotel wow. or they're like, do you need me to take you to the grocery store to get some things for your wow. room? And I, that's one thing that I really, um, in my own business that I miss about being on property I love the team. I loved every day going to the Hotel Dell and walking around, you know, this beautiful beach resort. But the resort was beautiful, but it was going and talking with all my colleagues every day and saying good morning or grabbing a coffee or whatever. I miss that interaction so much. That's that's the one thing, probably the thing I miss most about not being on property every single day is that interaction with them. Yeah, you're kind of holed up in your home, right? And you're working yeah. from home now. And, and when you're not on site, you're at home. Yeah, exactly. So so it's it's my one of my favorite things to go on site is just to, you know, meet the team and be with them. And and it kind of fills that little void that I have mm-hmm. with my own business. Do you have other clients now coming to you? Uh, are you seeing a trend in people wanting to do this? And do you think that you're going to be so busy off the chain in a year that uh, you're going to have to turn away business? Well, Anthony, from your lips to God's ears. And that's what I always say. <laughs> yep. 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 Yes, yep. I, I hope that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've got a lot of stuff out there um, that people are kind of waiting for the right time or thinking about, you know, it's a big decision to go in and drop this amount of money mm-hmm. and invest into whatever it is that they're looking to invest mm-hmm. into. So it's not just a, a, you know, a one conversation and, you know, great, let's do this. Um, so I've got a great, um, a great thing coming on in Hawaii. Mm. Um, and you know, KSL, I, I cannot be more thankful to this company. Um, and, and, you know, their president, James Struthers, and he is just throwing my name out in a lot of different areas. And so we're getting emails and calls looking for, for quotes and bids and, you know, strategic hotels and resorts, Andre Zotov, I worked for him for 16 years side by side through many different capacities. And um, he's a great supporter as well. So a lot of strategics hotels are now coming on board. Um, so 
uh, I'm so lucky and thankful that I have these people in my life. And I know I've said it before, but it truly, it, it's so true. I, I would be nothing. My business would be nothing without these, these people. Uh, I will never, ever, ever, hopefully I don't make you feel like you shouldn't say thank you because the gratitude is yeah. really beautiful. And, uh, and as long as we have it in our hearts and in our minds, then we can't go wrong. So for right. sure, I completely understand and agree. I, I kind of wanted to ask this a little bit earlier. One of the, the things that I've been hearing from people is I've gotten used to being home. I have to have a really good reason to want to leave. Are you finding that people with what you're doing and, and, and driving up membership, that people are excited to get out of their house or people are more reticent? No, I think people are very excited to get out and get this new sense of normal, even though it's not really normal yet. Mm -hmm. It's a sense of normalcy. And I think it makes them feel like things are moving forward. And I've gotten no resistance on in speaking with potential members to say like, oh, you know, I, I don't feel good about leaving my house. You know, people are nervous right now to see what's going to happen, right? With this mm -hmm. new Delta variant and, you know, are things going to shut down again? I hope not. I don't think so. But people are being a little cautious right now. But I've got to tell you something. In summer, no, not at all. People are excited. They want to get out. They want to live their life again, right? They don't, I think people are tired of being in their home. And I think people are going to return to work to an office if they have the opportunity to because- you know, like myself, people love that interaction of an office, right? You bounce ideas off of people and you ask them, you know, what do you think about this? And, and so I think, you know, there's a good part of the population that wants to go back to that office setting. Do you have, do you have much competition in this space? Do you think, are there other experiential really, consultants? No, it's really interesting because I've looked and looked to see like, who else is doing something very similar to this? And there's not. Which is a great thing for yeah. you, except for yeah. you might be opening the door to other people, but right. uh, you know, <laughs> that's what happens. You know, you start something new and eventually everybody follows, but uh, so, so then competition is really not going to be an issue. It's just about finding the right clients and the right properties and going. Correct, Anthony. And you know, that's something in meeting with potential clients, no one ever says, oh, we're also looking at X company. That's, that's what like led me to believe that there was nobody out there when I started really, really digging. We dug before we started the business to see if we could find anything. And yeah, we don't go up against other companies to do this. Um, it just becomes a matter of, does the customer want to spend the money? Mm -hmm. And are we the right fit to start with what, for what they're looking to do? Has money been an issue for even the clients that you've booked? Uh, you know, because let's face it, there hasn't been a lot of revenue in the last 18 months. Of course so, it has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so there's a lot of hesitation about putting forth more dollars. And what do you think the ultimate reason is they're doing it? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's all driving revenue. You know, they need to get that incremental revenue back in the hotel. They need to get people into the hotel. Um, and so by doing what we do at Kaleidoscope, it helps to drive that revenue in. Um, so, you know, we do a performa. 
for the customer based on whatever it is project that we're doing and try to give them an idea of how it can increase their revenue. Mm. Um, and yeah, if there's, if there's not a, a great return on it, then more than likely the hotel is not going to do it. You know, no one is just out there spending money to have a good story, right? right. You no, want to have a good now. story, of course, right. but they want to have a return on it as well. Yeah. And as, as particularly now, you know, it's so hard to lay out cash now, but it's also smart, which is why I asked the question, because this is a time to reinvent. This is the time to re-engage. This is the time to do whatever it is you think you need to do, because when the market comes back, it's too late. And hundred percent. And their messaging. So I wonder what their messaging is around this and their and their advertising outside of what you're doing with the staff. I assume the messaging's out there now. And they're trying, they're they're the first ones to mess. Well, nobody's really doing this in their area, but they're really pushing it, I assume. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're very fortunate that the hotels that we have worked in have marketing teams on property and have agencies at our disposal. And we're very involved with the marketing team and the PR team um, to help create that content and that message for them. Um, and, you know, when we go into a hotel, we want to be really full service for them. And as I said before, we don't just hand them, you know, here's this experience or whatever it is. We really work it from the beginning to the end mm. until it launches. So we work with all of their departments, um, you know, I mean, we're working with Bellata uh, mm-hmm. on the Lowe's Santa Lowe's. Monica, right? So I'm not going to just go in and say, here, you should do this entertainment. And this would be really fun to do with this. I take it on for my client and I go to people like your company and say, this is what I need. And I become that um, agent for right. the hotel. Right. And it's really interesting because the GM at the Lowe's in Santa Monica, his favorite thing to say to me is, well, that's what I'm paying you for. (laughs) And he's saying Uh, it very fun and lovingly, uh uh but deep down inside, he really means it. Right. Like you're going to be done. He totally totally really means (laughs) it. Um, Yes. Yes. (laughs) Just a little reminder. (laughs) Totally. But, um, you know, that that's, that's the unique thing that we do, I think. Yeah. And that is important. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are listeners thinking, well, you know, well, why can't the hotel book these things? And, but it's a matter of um, ensuring the uh, quality of what you're doing and that your vision is really making it all the way to the end of the event and that you're not giving up pieces of that vision because you're not I hate to use the word, but in control of the vision of the right. picture. Right. Uh, it's, it's, you know, if you're Steve Jobs, then you're in control so that the outside looks as good as the inside or the inside looks as good as the outside and things are intuitive. It's the same thing with an event. When mm-hmm. you have control of all of the pieces, you can ensure that people are going to have the kind of experience you want them to have. Right. And, and, and also, I mean, right now, as you both well know, um, you know, there's limited staff in, in the hotel. It, you know, they're having a hard time finding people, even people in management positions, they're having a hard time finding people. So when you think about it, a lot of the hotels are stretched, right? So really, can somebody dedicate 
the time that it takes to put together holiday programming and decor and do their regular job at the same time with it being so stretched. So that kind of takes that relief off of, off of the management team to bring my company in and you take care of all this and let us work on the day-to-day operation here at the hotel. Mm. Good point. Yeah, they're stretched. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Do you think that those hotels that are having the hardest time finding staff um, were maybe the hardest hotels to work for? Do you think it's just across the board? I think it's across the board. I really do. I, I haven't, I haven't been in a hotel lately that I've thought like, wow, they have a lot of staff and it's running really smoothly. There's kinks everywhere. Mm-hmm. There really is. And it doesn't matter if it's a Four Seasons or it's a Fairmont or a Lowe's. Everyone is feeling the pain right now and trying to get through it. And so, you know, people, people that, you know, get cranky in hotels or restaurants, it kind of really infuriates me because we all know what's happening in the world, right? Right. So how about being a little kind and patient and it's going to come back someday, hopefully as it was or a modified version of itself. Mm -hmm. But for right now, let's be kind. I love that. Yeah. I love that you're saying that because I think it's, so important right now. It's important always, but it's really important right now. We've got to support each other. We have to see outside of ourselves. We have to see the big picture. We have to be kind. We have to be kind. It's it's the only way, Alex, that we're going to get through this, Mm -hmm. I think. You know, you got to be good to each other. Yeah, we were talking about this too last week, and this goes for those of us in the industry as well. And uh, the fact that as a producer, when I go to my next hotel and work, I need to be very cognizant that we're in the same boat and work with them. There are going to be hiccups, there are going to be glitches, and we have to go in knowing that so that we're not fighting one another and we're working as a team because we are all in the same boat together. Uh, And I encourage all planners to think about that, all vendors to think about that. This is not a they against them position that we're in. This is a we're in this together position and we need to make things work. And, And the more we do that, the more successful we'll be and the more clients will come back and feel that the service has been great and seamless because we're working together, not fighting one another. I'm concerned for our hotel partners, really concerned for them. Uh, it's gonna be tough, you know, and the expectation, this is the issue. The expectation hasn't decreased. Nobody's going to come back. Those of us in the business understand people have been furloughed, but those who are not, are not going to come back into a hotel and assume things are going to be different because of COVID. They're going to have the same expectation they had two years prior. And so that's going to be stressful, really stressful. A hundred percent. You know, especially with the big names, the Fairmonts and the Marriott's, you know, when you're a big name, people expect you've got the resources to make this work out. Like what is going on here? You're a huge company. So there's that too. Well, and also, I mean, hotels, you know, 
they're they're charging rates still, right? Yes, it's yes, they like are. Everybody came back and said, "Oh my God, we're going to run a hundred and seventy nine dollar rate." They're trying to get back or be at where they were right when this whole situation started. So you you know, as a as a consumer and a customer. When you're paying $650 a night at a hotel, you do have a certain expectation. And so that's kind of the the fine line of the whole thing is that, yes, I'm paying $650, you know, but did the housekeeper clean my room appropriately? Or, you know, no one came to my table quick enough. They weren't there in the first two minutes. It took them five to get there. Mm And that's, that's where it's going to get super tricky with people, with a mm-hmm. consumer coming back to a hotel right now. Mm-hmm. Especially I was with- away. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was away this week and I had a real quick little getaway. And I was in Vegas, completely masked the whole time, by the way, just so that when I'm in the office, everybody <laughs> feels safe. But I noticed that with we had excellent service. And yes, sometimes it was slow, but we had excellent service. And each time, we engaged in conversation. we kept telling them how much we appreciated them. We thanked them. What it did for them and, and the, the conversation that ensued when we started talking to our server or the hotel worker, you know, the guy carrying our bags to our car, we engaged in real life conversation that lasted more than 30 seconds. And the level of appreciation from them to us was amazing. And I feel like, you know, just in that few minutes, I forged a new relationship. Am I ever going to see these people again? No, but I still, that interaction was important. And I know that we both walked away with something and I could sense their appreciation and gratitude for somebody who just was genuinely calm, cool, collected, grateful, and patient. And kind. Yeah. And kind. Well, you know, you, you mentioned something, Wayne, about rates. And one of the reasons why rates have retained have been so high and remain so high is because the hotels can't sell all their inventory, right? They had to keep some of their inventory out. Correct. But Vegas back in May or even earlier went on sale and started selling their room rates at $150, $89 at Bellagio, you know, lower than I've seen them ever. And what we were hearing when we were there in May was it was a huge mistake because they didn't get the right kind of people. They got the people who don't ever go to Vegas. Right. And, uh, you know, not that they shouldn't have a nice trip. You know, that's not what I mean at all. But from a working perspective, they weren't, the workers weren't making as much, they weren't tipped as much, and they weren't enjoying their work as much because they were dealing with an audience that wasn't quite as savvy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And didn't like you, Alex, and you understand you travel. So it was hard. And, and I don't think any of the hotels want to go there to your point about lowering rates. No, because Anthony, once you go there, it's very hard to go back up to where you really should have been. Yes. Um, especially for the consumer shopping. And, you know, one week it's 189 bucks and then they go back on three weeks later and it's 650 because they realized we totally screwed up dropping all of our rates to your point, it's not our customer. And that's, that's another important question that I ask when, you know, working with a hotel, who's your customer and who do you want it to be? And through this programming, who do you want to attract? 
So it's, it's super important that the hotel knows who, who they want to be there. And if they're smart, they're not going to do this huge fluctuation of rates and, and try to, to get out of that. It's very difficult. That also just sends a, a, the wrong message to the consumer. As a consumer, if I see 189 and then 650, I'm going to wait for it to be 189 again. Right. I'm not going to pay 650. <laughs> Right. So, and that's the message, right? right? That you're sending when you flip flop around like that. Uh, uh, and hopefully there's a sweet spot and hopefully it isn't 650 or like when we were in South Beach uh, this summer for TSC, the W had rates of 750 a night. You know, hopefully it doesn't maintain that because even that's unaffordable. At least right. to somebody like me, I can't spend sure. 750 a night at a hotel. <laughs> but um, so I don't want to have to do that. But um you know, I hope there is some leveling once occupancy can increase, and it does increase because yeah. it is more than just a, a one-edged sword, right? Right, right. And hopefully, like, you know, hotels will recuperate. They're going to be making their money. Their teams are going to be making their money. You as the consumer are going to feel that you totally, you know, got your money's worth. Mm -hmm. Um in 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 your purchase and in your visit and in your experience so hopefully eventually i shouldn't even say hopefully eventually it's all going to come back and align perfectly again i just don't know when that is yeah yeah we nobody nobody has the the, the crystal ball i do it's just not working oh yeah, yeah i hate yeah. when that happens get it fixed <laughs> no and it's unfortunate because we could have been there yeah we could have totally. been there yes Yes. But, um, you know, we're not going to complain about that. We're just going to move on. Is the Lowe's um, Santa Monica, is that a private owner or is that a corporate, is that a corporate hotel? Is it owned by Lowe's? It is not uh, owned by Lowe's. It's owned by a company called Strategic Hotels and Resorts. They're based uh, out of Chicago. Andre's company. Yes. So we looked up Andre before we had you on and he was in two movies. Yeah. <laughs> he Were was. they hotel based shots? Um, one was shot at the Hotel Dell, and mm -hmm. it was a school project of the high school. Uh -huh. And they kind of wrote this whole story around him. Uh, he was very involved in the community in Coronado, and the high school, uh, or the school district, I should say, you know, was very important to him, and we did a lot for them at the Dell. And so these kids wrote, produced shot they were the camera crew the whole nine yards this this movie that andre was the star of and he played a general manager at a hotel at a mm -hmm. fictitious hotel so yeah that was that was a biggie for him i was his lackey through the whole thing i was his like personal assistant um and it nice grew, his head, grew his grew his head just a little bit for a while um, <laughs> he has an imdb like, page not, he does yeah yeah, exactly. So, but he's, he's the most amazing man I've ever worked for the most amazing. And, you know, the great thing about Andre is he gets it hundred percent. He gets it. And for the hotels that I'm working at that are his, you know, he knows that what we're doing is, is a process and his expectation of his hotels and his GMs and, and their staff is not to it's not instant success because that is 
it's just, it's not going to happen, it's right? Not, it doesn't happen that way. So it's Nothing very rare for an owner to have that mindset to say, you know what, it's going to be baby steps, but in three years, you know, it's going to grow to what it needs to grow. And, and that's the one thing I've always loved about working with him. And he would rather that you, you know, you try something and it fails, than you sat idle and didn't try anything. Um, so it, it's, it's been great to work with him again. Is he a fan of KPIs, key performance indicators? Does he... He's very, yeah, the, the guy can remember a number. He remembers numbers like it's crazy. He has 18 hotels and he can probably recite the PL of all 18. Wow. He's amazing. And, you know, like sometimes he'll just hit you out of nowhere and you're like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now? I don't know how to answer this, but you know he he's a great guy yeah you have to work with people that you like we said that earlier but it's so mm -hmm. important and that helps the stress level and that helps you to remain emotionally yeah. intelligent and do the things that you need to do especially when you're working for them you know i think what you'll find in the world of of entrepreneurship is that the fighting of the the fighting the client to do the right thing is the hardest thing when you take on a client who just doesn't get it and you know questions everything and doesn't want to give trust or you know just is too entrenched in the in the process that's when it becomes hard because then you're trying to educate somebody who obviously can't be educated or doesn't want to be totally and you know the the point of of hiring people like us and in our industry right is you're hiring them for their expertise so at least listen to what they have to say and try to adapt it into your, your, your operation, because why, why did you hire them if you don't want to listen to them? Right. So, but I, I know exactly what you're saying and it is difficult because you feel like you're beating your head against a wall and you know, it, and it just doesn't end up being good for anybody. No, it ends up being stressful and, you know, hard much harder than it has to be. Yeah. And I think one of those indicators for me now is if I'm not seeing change, you know, because clients, um, if they don't understand something, that's completely fine. That's what we're there for. But after years of working with someone, if they're still not getting it or not willing to, to see what it needs to be, that's when it becomes hard. Right. Uh, you know, seeing the same thing play out over and over and over and over and over again, right? Right, exactly. I wanted to ask you about the Olympic bid that happened in Chicago and you were a part of it. And tell us a little bit about that, would you? So when Chicago was bidding on the 2016 Summer Olympics, the Fairmont Hotel where I worked at at the time was the Olympic host hotel. They, they housed there, they had their meeting room there. We turned this beautiful lounge on the 15th floor into their meeting room. And we worked with, you know, really beautiful restaurants in the city because they didn't have time to leave to go to a restaurant for lunch. So we brought restaurants every day to them. And we created these pop-ups um, of some of Chicago's 
greatest restaurants at the time so they could get a real flavor of of being in the city and in Chicago and the bid happened in April and you know if you've ever been to Chicago spring in Chicago is incredible the tulips on Michigan Avenue and just everywhere you look incredible so the city went over the top in um you know their plantings and they were lighting buildings and it was just amazing and unfortunately it snowed two days before there was this freak snowstorm and to watch everyone scramble to make the city look so beautiful was incredible oh. but there was one woman that was on the task force and i aspired to be her my entire career. I had a meeting with her and we were we were talking about, you know, the 3 days that they were going to be there and the pop-ups and she was the the main planner for this Olympic bid. And I remember standing in this one small room in the Fairmont and it was windows that faced Columbus Drive, which is the, the front of the hotel. And we were having this very in-depth conversation and she kind of turned and looked out the window just at a glance. And she looked at me and she said, excuse me one minute. She went to the window, she picked up her cell phone and she called, I don't know who, but she decided that the median in front of the hotel didn't look good. I promise you on my life, one hour later, when I looked out the window, it was planted with these gorgeous pots, these huge plantings, it was stunning. And I looked at her the next day when she came back and I said, you're incredible, you're God. <laughs> you, know, you, you picked up a phone and you know, lo and behold, there's this gorgeous median now that was, that was a, a cement cracked, ugly thing. And that's one thing that I remember so vividly and i and i always told everybody i want to be her i just one day i want to be her um oh, it was incredible but she did that throughout the whole city that wow. was her job was to just go around and make everything look perfect um but working with the olympic committee it was amazing um you know it was very um you know very discreet, obviously, of who they let into their meeting room. And I was lucky enough to be the catering person um, for their meeting. So I did get to go in and I would, you know, be checking lunch or breakfast or, you know, breaks, whatever it was, and get glimpses of the conversations that were happening. And, you know, in, in my career, yes, they didn't win the bid, but it's, it's the closest I think that I'll ever get to working with the, the International Olympic Committee. And they were kind and they were nice and they, they couldn't have been more charming. Um, and and it, was, it's, it was a milestone for my career. It really was yeah. that, that they trusted me that much to produce this, this three days with them that the city trusted us. I hope you get another experience like that. I do too. You know? I do too. It, was it would be really cool. cool. Yeah. It was very cool. And I agree. I'd like to be her too, just to sort of point your finger, pick up the phone and say, this needs to be beautified now. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's every woman's dream, right? <laughs> I mean, there was a building across the street, very famous building in Chicago. It's called the Aqua. 
and it was still being built. The, the vertical was done, but the inside was still being worked on. And, you know, she decided that it didn't look good at night. She lit the entire building from floor to ceiling and it was spectacular. But the woman had power, man. I'm telling wow. you, I, I've never seen anything like it. Well, Wayne, I think we've done it. I think we've gotten to the end of our interview and uh, I think we're good to go, except for we have one more thing that we'd like to do with you, if you don't mind, and that is to play a little game. Okay. We call it this or that. It's very simple. We have 10 questions. They will ask you whether you like this or you like that. You tell us which one you like. You get one, I would prefer both. And you get one, I don't want either. Okay. Okay. And there are 10 questions, All right? This or that. Number one, live theater or a movie on the big screen? Live theater. Old fashioned or dirty martini? Oh, probably old fashioned. Okay, well, that was harder than I thought it would be. San Diego or Chicago? Oh, this is so unfair. <laughs> that was Dan. That was I'll Dan's take my post. one. I'd like both. <laughs> okay, both. That's a good answer. Tigers or bears? Bears, of course. Of course. <laughs> Dining out or cooking in? Dining out. Lisa Vanderpump or Lisa Renna? <laughs> Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> I so totally agree with you. Uh, Trixie or Katya? Trixie. Uh, Hermes or YSL? YSL. Roof, that was a good one, D'Angelo. You knew that too. Rooftop or beachside? Beachside. Last one. Spa day or night out? Oh, night out. <laughs> That's what makes you I'm so old, but I'm, I'm old, but I'm not dead. No, yeah. you're not dead. <laughs> and you're not old. For me, it would have been a spa day. That's old. I would have been night out. I would have been right there with you. I mean, I, a girl loves to be pampered, but I'd rather go out and have fun. Me too. Me too. Wayne, we're just so happy that you're uh, in business for yourself and that you are doing something that is meaningful to the industry. Uh, and that I mean, you're helping hotels to develop engagement for their memberships and in some cases a membership base. And we're all about engagement and we want to see more of it happening because we, we believe that that's the way to create memories and relationships and history. And so we're delighted that you've taken on this new role in your life and that you're going to be helping the world come back with more participation and engagement. Thank you both. Um, for having me on your show. Uh, I'm humbled and I've really had a great time uh, in the last hour with you both. And Anthony, uh, you know, I love a lot of entertainment and I'm, I'm a loyal boy. So anywhere that I can take Bellata, I absolutely will. You are such a love too. And knowing you is better than working with you. I've got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both great. Yes. So uh, thank you so much for coming on and, you know, for agreeing to be interviewed and 
Okay, go out and change the world, kid. That's what we need. Totally. Wow, that was really a delightful conversation. And uh, the ability to learn what he's doing and get a little bit closer to what he's doing at these properties around the country, really awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't know him well, but every time I've been around him, it's been such a delight. And even though I don't know him as well as I do hope to know him one day, when I think of him, I am filled with warm fuzzies mm-hmm. because he is such a great guy. He really, really is. And he has been so good to us and so good to D'Angelo. And uh, we, we've we enjoyed them over and above the work as well, spending time with Wayne and his partner. Uh, you know, it's like we're simpatico, you know, very like-minded. Mm-hmm. And that is really, really terrific. And the fact that he does his, you know, approaches events like a show, I think helps because we do the same here as well. And that's, that's our MO. It was funny before we go, I just quickly, one of the, one of the uh, team building exercises that we had last week in the MBM program, the master's program was that we had to put together a presentation for a city for a client. And we were given two cities and we basically had to go through a SWOT analysis and then a Tao's analysis to determine which city would be best. And the goals and the objectives, the goals and the objectives of the meeting were that the, the, the host wanted their employees to bond and have a memorable experience. So um, during this team exercise, I kept going back to the goal and the objective. And at the end of it, I was rated as um, getting two in the weeds with goals and objectives by my peers. And I thought how funny that is because that's exactly where we need to be is in the weeds. And that is exactly where Wayne is with his work. There's no reason to put money into membership if there isn't a goal or an objective. In this case, it's to drive membership and drive uh, hotel rooms, heads and beds. There's no reason to do anything. So I thought it was funny that I was just um, sort of um, noted as being I was pulling people into the weeds because I kept saying, no, we, we have to remember the objectives is for people to bond. So maybe a Padres game isn't the right thing because right. people are not going to bond at a game. They're going to sit there and watch the game. Uh, it was funny to have that conversation. And uh, I hope that uh, more and more people will understand that engagement means understanding who your client is, who their guests are and then finding the experiences that are right for them, not just throwing experiences out. Yep. Amen to that. Amen to that. So that's it. That's it for the day. Uh, We're going to leave you now. Uh, Remember, if you like listening to us, please tell your friends, please listen more. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Leave her on Spotify now. Just look for us, Bolotified. And if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, do Steve Jobs proud and give us five stars. I know he would want us to have those five stars because we are not shit. Excuse me. You had to have read the book to know what that means. Anyway, thank you for joining us. That's it for now. I'm saying bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Awesome. And the next time we meet, I just, you know, even if it's just, you know, over coffee or something, when we happen to be in the same place, I got to get the story of the grandma that was punched at the wedding. I oh, yes. Story. I promise. She got Twice. She got knocked out. Wow. It was an accident. It was an accident. Was she in the middle of a fight? She was trying to break up. The brothers were fighting. So it wasn't the groom, but it was his two brothers. And, you know, alcohol played into it. They got into this fight. She tried to separate them, and they both threw a punch and hit grandma. Yeah. It didn't end well. You know, the ambulance came. They took her away. It kind of killed the wedding. But, yeah, it really happened. Oh, my Lord. Is that the last thing you would ever want to do is hit your grandma? I mean, that's... I mean, it's the worst thing you could do. If if they they both were like mortified and so remorseful, and it was really it was a bad night. It was just a bad night. Oh, oh man, I hope they're laughing about it now. I hope so. I just have to. Was that the groom's grandmother or the? It was the groom's. Okay. Yeah, it was the wow. And it this was, was, was this, was this in a, at, in Chicago or? It was in, at the Fairmont. Yeah. It was at the, I was going to say, this was not in a low budget motel. This was oh, at no. Black Tie Wedding, like beautiful, beautiful event. And just stupidity happened. Yeah. Wow. Crazy <laughs> times. Yeah, crazy times. Well, my love, thank you so much. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank both. you both. Appreciate it so much. And we will see you soon. All righty. Take care.